Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hello and good evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome to the G1 Climax Weekly Wrap-Up right here on FightfulSelect.com. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and I will be guiding you through this wonderful, uh, another wonderful week of this extraordinary event at New Japan Pro Wrestling gives us every year. Uh, Apologies for those who were waiting live for this to start. We had a few YouTube issues to go through, but we're not going to harp on this right now because there's much more important things to talk about than YouTube (laughs) messing up. Because right now, this is the Fightful, as I said, this is the Fightful Select, uh, the Fightful Select uh, G1 recap show. And if you're seeing this right now and you're not a member of Fightful Select, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, what? They probably messed up, man. They, like, this is supposed to be private, and they, they shouldn't put, put this public. You know, we should just shut our mouths and watch it. No! No, you are wrong! We are giving this episode away as a free preview to the content, the type of content that you can get on Fightful Select. If you're already a member of Fightful Select, you already you know straight off the bat what kind of content you get. But for those of you who are joining us, taking advantage of this free preview, and I hope you are, FightfulSelect.com has all sorts of wonderful, ex- excellent content that accompanies the, the main site of Fightful.com, the, the uh, well-known and well-established resource for all combat sports news, pro wrestling, MMA, boxing. It's all there. But with Fightful Select, you get extra content you get a whole bunch of other things on top of that you get members only podcasts you get the weekender podcast which is sean ross sap does every week and he talks about he basically reviews the 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 week uh the the news week the wrestling news week where he talks about uh news and he also reviews (laughs) he also reviews uh ring of honor um impact uh, lucha underground uh uh bte as well uh, being the elite, he goes through all of that. You get Q and A sessions. You get monthly retro reviews where Sean and myself go back into the archives, into old pay per views, and we review them. We 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 go deep. We 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 talk about the matches. We see how they hold up today. We go into historical and anecdotal sidebars as well. It's a lot of fun. We have a weekly two hundred five live NXT recap show that again I myself 
handle the duties up every week on Wednesday right after NXT. So that's another thing that you can come join live. We have uh, dark match commentary. Sean goes into archival footage, pulls out a dark match that was never aired and adds his own commentary on top. Those are always fun. Get news previews. There's tidbits that are always that are very often posted to FightfulSelect.com members before they end up on the main site. So there's a lot of advantage, a lot of advantages to do that. And the and the entry tier for just all this content is five dollars, five bucks. And then when you go to the upper tiers, then you get even more content. Sean. Uh, posts interviews, previews of interviews before they end up on the site for the for the uh, second tier and third tier members. It's it, just head on over to fightfulselect.com. Take a look at everything that that that, that you can uh, the, that 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 we offer. <laughs> wow, that was difficult. Everything that we offer, uh, pick the tier that you like, and you'll be supporting a great site at the same time. You'll be getting a, a whole lot of content. I didn't know where you're not do- where you're not doing it right now well maybe you're not doing it right now because you know you're you're watching me and you want to hear talk about the g1 climax right that because wow that's that's really cool and thank you for being here and you know since this is a free preview and no one is pirating anything and you know this is legit why don't you just go ahead and and share share this video put it on uh, on all your social medias let people know that tonight fightfulselect.com is giving you content for free why not? And this content is going to be the new Japan G1 recap show for week three. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the home stretch of the G1. And it has been quite an exciting, exciting ride, as it usually is. Um, just before we jump into the G1 proper, um, it's not exactly related to the G1, but it is New Japan news. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Who has been? Who was injured back? Uh, who was injured at Dominion? Who took a, a very, very, very nasty bump on on his uh, on his neck? People were fearing the worst. We're starting to get news now that uh, he'll be out for nine to twelve months, but uh, it's nowhere as bad as we expected. I mean, it's still a neck injury that he suffered, but it's not as bad as uh, as anticipated. You know, it's bone damage only, no damage to the nerves. That's really the best case scenario in this in this terrible situation, nonetheless. So this is good. It's good news. So I hope I hope Hiromu takes whatever time he needs to uh, to heal up and come back and continue spreading his magic across all of pro wrestling, because he is missed. All right, why don't we start this week? By talking about the results, we'll go through them fairly, fairly, uh, fairly quickly. Um, we had five nights of uh, five nights of wrestling of G1 over the past um, uh, over the past week. On uh, night nine, which was July 27, we had Group A action where Minoru Suzuki defeated Michael Elgin by pinfall with the Gotch special pile driver. Evil defeated Hangman Page via pinfall with uh, Everything Is Evil. Bad Luck Fale uh, went over Jay White by pinfall with uh, the Bad Luck Fall after a ref bump and after Tama Tonga hit a gun stun. So that was really, really, uh, that was really, really complicated. Um, 
after that, uh, oh, you're right to color. It was at the uh, was at the Cow Palace uh, about Takahashi's injury. You are correct. But hey, guys, uh, live chat is here. Nice to see you all. Um, uh, Hiroshi Tadahashi went over uh, uh, Togi Makabe by pinfall with the high fly flow. Kazuya and Okada won over Yoshihashi with the Rainmaker on night ten. We on July twenty eighth, Group B action had Zack Saber Jr. go over Tamatanga by DQ because of course Juice Robinson won his very first. G128 match against Yano by pinfall after the Pulp Friction. Kota Ibushi uh, defeated uh, Tomohiro Ishii by pinfall after hitting him with a Kamigoye. Tetsuya Naito over Hiroki Goto by pinfall after Destino. And Kenny Omega defeated Sonata via pinfall with the one-winged angel. Night 11 on July 30th, Group A. We had Bad Luck Fale win uh, against Togi Makabe with a chain wrapped around his fist and a punch to the head. I'll be talking about the firing squad a little later on. Jay White defeated Hangman Page with a low blow, followed by a Blade Runner, which is kind of his uh, his combination right now, his, uh, his combination of, uh, of moves to get the win. He's been uh, experiencing this quite a bit. Um, after that, uh, Minoru, uh, Minoru Suzuki defeated Evil with the Gotch Special. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Yoshihashi by pinfall with a leg scissor press, I guess you'd call it. It was a really interesting way for him to, con- to, to, to finish the match. I'm not quite sure if that's how you'd, how you'd call it, but, uh, that's how I decided to name it. It's a leg scissor press. Uh, Kazuchika Okada defeated Michael Elgin by pinfall with the Rainmaker in the main event of night 11 night 12 we had tamatanga well, again back to group b on august 1 tamatanga defeated ishii with a stun gun with a gun stun after taking a grenade by bad luck folly because shenanigans juice robinson won another match this time over sonata with pulp friction tetsuya naito uh, defeated uh, yano with a destino kenny omega went over zack saber jr in a wonderful match with a surprise cradle pin. It came kind of out of nowhere. Kota Ibushi, in, uh, as far as he goes, defeated Hiroki Goto with the Kamigoye. And night 13, which was at earlier today, August 2nd, we were back to Group A. Michael Elgin defeated Bad Luck Folly via disqualification. Tamatanga did things with the chair. Hangman Page defeated Togi Makabe with the last rights, and that was Hangman's very first victory. Good for him. Well, I mean, his first, it wasn't his first win, but it was his first, like, pinfall and or submission. Uh, Jay White defeated Yoshihashi with the Blade Runner. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Evil with the high fly, high fly flow. That's that's something that they should use in dictation classes, which uh, hopefully eventually I will be getting. You know, if if more more and more people subscribe, to FightfulSelect.com, well, you know, eventually you know, I, might, I might get asked Sean for dictation classes. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll say yes. Uh, so, and uh, in the main event today, we had Kazuchika Okada defeating Minoru Suzuki with the Rainmaker, and that was a, a brutal match. As it stands right now, 
keep one thing in mind. We're going to talk about the points. I put the points up here on the Warren board here. Yes, it's not just a whiteboard. It's a Warren board because your branding is important, folks. There's one thing Mama always told me. Your branding is what's most important. Keep in mind, as we look at the points here, as we start talking about the points, that Group A is one evening of action ahead of Group B right now. Um, Group A currently has uh, seven matches in the can, whereas uh, Block B has only six only. They're just one behind. So keep that in mind as we're taking a look at the points where uh, we have two guys uh, at the top of the leaderboards with 12 points. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi over on Block A, and Kenny Omega, who is on Block B, he has the 12 points, but... If we're talking about the point situation, Omega currently, as you all know, has a perfect record as opposed to Tanahashi, who lost one match. Omega is clean. You know, it's a, it's a, it, it, he's batting 1,000. If I, if I'm using the baseball, the, 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 the only baseball lingo that I know, I think I used it right. He's batting 1,000. After that, we have uh, these are followed up by the uh, guys in who have 10 points. Jay White and Okada for Group A. As for Group B, there's only one person who has 10 points, and that is Tranquilo Naito. He's the only guy who has 10 points over in Group B. Then we go into the eight-point category where we have Evil and Minoru Suzuki at uh, in for Group A, and Group B is Kota Ibushi. After that, we have uh, we have all the guys who have uh, six points and less. And at this stage of the G1, um, those who are who have less than and than eight points, who are six and under, then you know they don't stand much of a chance uh, to go on. Uh, well, I, some of them don't stand a chance at all. You know, I think that's it's pretty much done for them. They won't be able to move on to the finals. But, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the rest of, uh, of the blocks. Interesting to note that on block B, Yano has two points. He's the lowest scoring member of uh, block, uh, block B, I should say, and on block A. Sorry, I said block A, but I meant block B. While Yoshihashi is on block A, and he has two points. So those are the standings right now. Interesting stuff. We'll get into a bit of point analysis towards the end of our program today because yeah I have a, I have a format. So right now what I'd like to talk about are some of the highlights that I that I uh that I enjoyed some of the highlights of the from week 3. Now keep in mind like I said last week these are not necessarily matches these are not necessarily recommendations outright and not like hey, you cannot miss this match. These are things, matches that I thought were special, that had something unique about them that captivated my attention. And I feel like, you know, I should just mention them and then you can do whatever you like. You can, you can decide to watch them just as you can decide to completely ignore my opinion. But you don't have to completely ignore my opinion. You could, you could, you could half ignore it, but not completely. It's kind of harsh. All right, so um, let's start with night nine, and they're and they're not in any particular order. In fact, you know they're just in order of nights and their positioning on the card. It's not necessarily a best to worst or wet or worst to best list. I'm just dropping. 
dropping dropping knowledge, dropping opinions. Kazucha, Kazuchika Okada versus Yoshihashi from night nine is a highlight for me. First of all, and I think this is the main reason, it's Yoshihashi's best G1. It was. I think and it still is. It's Yoshihashi's best G1 match so far. And, and, and I think that's why you should watch it. You know, I don't think he's had much fire in his first few matches, in the first, in the first two weeks. He was very just there, kind of. And then he ends up with Akata, leader of chaos. You know, they're both in the same faction within New Japan. And that seemed to light something for him. It, something just went poof. That was cool. Second reason why you should watch it is because, I, and I think this is important for the remainder of the G1. This is this match is still part of Okada's redemption story, right? Uh, you know, from his fall from grace, from being IWGP Heavyweight Champion, and not being able to knock out a win until later on in 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 the G uh, in the G1. Uh, you know, we're still seeing, we're not seeing, we're not seeing champ Okada right now. We're not seeing his, uh, his full force, but we're seeing flashes of an, of him. And as we progress, it seems to me, we're seeing more and more of the Okada that we knew as opposed to this broken Okada, who I like to refer to as Brokada. Remember what my mama said, branding is important. Anyway, so so this is still part of his redemption story, and I think you should. As I think this is an important storyline for the G One, and you should take the time to watch all of his matches just to make sure you understand this progression. Besides, there, none of them are bad matches. You, I mean, you'll be doing yourself a favor regardless. Uh, so in this match here with Yoshihashi, I mean, there was no way he was losing this, right? I mean, he had to he had to overcome this one. And, you know, for being fair, Yoshihashi's not, he, mm, he's kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. I mean, even if it is a fall from grace storyline, losing to Yoshihashi is a bit of a, it's a a bit of a slap to the face. Yoshihashi worked uh, this match so well, actually, that I thought that he really had a chance of winning at some point. That's how well this match went off. Um, And I, Okada did everything in his power to look to make uh, Yoshihashi look really, really good. So I like I like this this match for those specific reasons. Again, on night nine we had we had Hangman Page versus Evil. Evil. I have trouble. I, I know it's evil, but I have trouble not saying evil because it's funny. It's funny to say evil. Page's matches are getting better and better as the tournament progresses, not because he's a bad wrestler. I think this is a logical progression for him. Like, because as I said, uh, running down the results page, hangman page on one, uh, one match, won his first match, but by disqualification after that, he's, he's been on a losing streak. He's lost all his matches. He, he hasn't, well, at this point, uh, on night nine, still, he hadn't won a match by, by a pinfall or submission. Yeah, and then actually defeated someone. So when I say they've been getting better, maybe that's not exactly the right word I should be using. They've been they've become they've been uh, more and more uh, impassioned 
fiery, you know, uh, you know, there's nothing like a guy who has nothing, you know, there's nothing like a guy who has nothing to lose. Right. And I think that as he went on, that's the kind of mindset that we had that hangman page was bringing to the ring. This match in particular with evil, it's really hard hitting. It was really hard hitting. It's a strong match that in which page hangman page looked great. Don't get me wrong. Despite losing, he looked really, really good. There are a couple of really nice highlights there too. Page at some point counters a German suplex from evil and hits the bookshop Larry for a really, really close near fall. Like it was a two point, maybe not a 2.9 count, maybe a 2.7, still pretty close. Page is a fire at some point in the match and he looks for the rite of passage, but evil Lariat hits him with a Lariat, a headbutt, um, and then he connects everything as evil and Page is finally done for the match. But, you know, I would like to see these two go for a title. Like, I think that we've only scratched the surface as far as, um, uh, I think we've only scratched the surface as far as a potential feud here can go. I'd love to see them go again. I would love to give give these guys 15, 20 minutes and let them do something special. And I'm convinced we'd have something great. Would they work really well together? Let's move on to night 10. Where we had Juice Robinson versus Toru Yano. Uh, and this is special because it's Juice's first win of the tournament. And, you know, he's been the baby face uh, underdog. You know, he's lost. He, at this point, he had lost all his matches. And, you know, Yano. Yano at this point, or not necessarily at this point, but Yano during the G1 has been super entertaining, and all of his matches have been a lot of fun. They've really just been a lot of fun. Um, at, and, you know, at, at first, he had said he was going to go through the tournament, uh, you know, fair play, not cheating. Well, at this point here on night 10, he completely threw that out the window. Because he just went all out. You know, he attacks Juice's broken hand, which, again, is one of the arcs, one of the storylines, one of the overarching storylines of the entire G1, Juice's broken hand. Um, he, Yano even pulls out the tape at some point to tie up Juice to barricades. They sword fight with the buckle pads. Juice the pirate. Turnbuckle swashbuckler. It's a good mix between Yano's usual... Um, inspired nonsense and actual wrestling. You know, I think there's a lot of people here who discovered that Yano, Yano, uh, Yano has chops. Yano actually has wrestling chops. He's not just going around doing complete nonsense all the time. He can actually go if he wants. And at the end, Juice removes the soft cast around his hand to use it because uh, if he uses the cast, his, his left hand basically while it's casted, it's an instant disqualification. But he wanted to punch Yano really, really bad, uh, and his, and he's uh, he's left-handed, he's a southpaw, so that was that's the logic there. So uh, the, you know, Yano was eye gouging him at this point and attempting low blows, but so that's why he 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 uncast his hand. But I don't think he ended up using it. He just uh, he was able to get the best of Yano using pulp friction. That was it. So it's it's you know, it it's it's not a four five star classic, you know. It's around the, the, maybe a mid three range I, or low three. I don't know. But uh, one thing is for sure, um, 
one thing's for sure is that uh, if you should watch it if you want to see Juice win his first match. Crowd reaction. Yan was always fun. It was an entertaining match. Kota Ibushi. Still on night 10. Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii. And, and okay, this is this match here is probably one of the top matches of the tournament so far. Probably? Yeah, no, most definitely. <laughs> it's a it, it was a true to form banger. It's right up there with Omega Naito from night two, Ishii Goto from night six, which by the way, is my match of, of the G1 so far. It's unquestionably, this match here is undoubtedly a match of the year candidate. There's um, there's an early spot where Ishii pummels Ibushi in the corner with elbow after forearm after elbow after forearm. And it was violent. It was really rough. Ibushi still seems to have his death wish looking around for stuff to jump off of some point they're in the audience and he moonsaults he moonsaults off the stands onto Ishii who's on the floor because because it's Ibushi, right? Whenever he has the opportunity to pull that kind of stuff, he does it. Ishii and here's this is what was interesting throughout the match is that they they were they were their opposites as far as their styles go. They try to counter each other, but it's difficult. They're find they find it difficult. Ishii has no answer for um, for Ibushi's mid kicks, and Ibushi has no answer for his for Ishii's forearms. They're just trying their best to to one up each other with their own stuff. But then they start trying their moves on each other to get the best to to try and overcome. Ishii hits a kamagoye at some point. Ibushi hits a brain buster, and the crowd was super into this. They were popping. They were popping huge. This this crowd was electric for this match. Oh, this amazing spot, right? Where Ishii does a stalling vertical superplex on Ibushi. My God. That was cool. It was a true to it was a true to form work of art. Put on by two guys who work different styles, but uh, who have uh, who have incredible chemistry together. It just works. It just works. So if there's one match you should go out of your way to see, despite the fact that I told you you can do whatever you want, this is the one part where you shouldn't ignore me. This is the part where you do have to listen to to what I'm to my opinion on this one. Go see this match. And again from night ten. Kenny Omega versus Sonata. I put in my predictions. In my predictions, I thought Sonata would be the guy to put an end to Kenny Omega's win streak. Because, you see, along with Jay White, Sonata is the other young wrestler whose profile has been shooting through the roof with the G1. And, yes, I, you know, there are, there are a lot of people who love Sonata. He's got quite a loyal fan base but there are still some detractors and this was this is the match this is the kind of match that he needed to try and shift uh, shift those intentions back to something more positive he tried to show here that he could hang with the best in the world and he that worked omega is apparently, by the way, he's apparently working with a with a broken ankle or with a bone fragment. 
in his ankle, something like that. I can't quite remember. If anyone in the chat wants to uh, take a moment to uh, correct me or make me look it up on the internet, that'd be great. But he, he's working injured. <laughs> you you could have fooled me. The dude doesn't look injured for a second. He's doing all his high spots and uh, no problem. Towards the end of the match, Sonata gets Omega into the skull end, but the champ powers out and a uh, a cradled tombstone for two. Uh, V-Trigger follows that shortly thereafter, one-winged angel, but Sonata counters with a reverse Rana, which I always pop for. Like it's becoming more of a of a thing, but a reverse Rana always looks amazing. Omega counters a TKO attempt into the one-winged angel for real this time and, and beats Sonata. So my prediction was out the window. Jordan Jenkins in the chat says that it's a cracked heel. So thank you, Jordan. So it is it is a broken heel that he's working with. And I swear you'd never tell the difference. That's crazy. Thank you, Jordan, for that. Let's move on to night 11. Jay White versus Hangman Page. The narrative here in this match is that White's sneaky, cheating, underhanded ways are up against Hangman's grit and never-say-die attitude, right? So, um, you know, early on, it's it's a question of who can get the best out of the other using the tactics that they're best known for. But Page early on misses a shooting star press off the apron, and White's converts into a Saito suplex on the floor, which is one of his which one of his trademark uh, moves at this point that caused an issue with pages back hangman for the rest of the match was favoring uh, the back. Um, and one thing that was funny as well, once white started working on, 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 on pages back and he was ping ponging page between the barricades and the edge of the, the ring uh, you had Rocky Romero who was screaming, you know, trying, you're trying to take out our broadcast again. Because Jay White had completely taken off the uh, completely taken off English commentary for like 15, 20 minutes with a, some with a spot as he was brawling outside on night nine, I guess. And Rocky was calling him out on that again. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, Page powers through his back issues as much as he can. He escapes a Northern Lights suplex to the outside by landing on the apron, and then from there tries to go for the buckshot lariat, but he tries to do the 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 some not the somersault, but the uh, uh, the springboard, but his back gives out and he can't do it at first, but he'll eventually be able to get his buckshot lariat in because, because he's a hero. White does this really cool little tactic at some point, uh, which I, which I like where he, he gets two chairs and he tosses one in the ring. Right. And while he, the ref is distracted and get, getting rid of the chair that white threw in the ring, he had another one ready and he just cracks it across Hangman's back without him realizing it. That's cool. I thought that was funny. Um, Hangman mounts a comeback and escapes a Blade Runner by spitting in Jay White's eye. I want that to be a, a true-to-form counter. I want everyone to use that now. I really like this match. It was a great piece of storytelling and it was really compelling. Uh, it, it, it was really compelling how, again, how Paige's matches are becoming more and more in, uh, fierce. 
Because like I said, there's nothing more dangerous than a man who's got nothing to lose. And at this point, that's Hangman Page. Did I say that he lost? He lost. He lost. He lost to a um, to a blade a low blow while the ref was distracted by White, followed by the Blade Runner. Uh, still on night eleven, Evil versus Minoru Suzuki. This one got brutal in uh in, in a quick in a quick fashion. Uh, Suzuki used a chair uh, on um, on Evil. He tears the barricade apart, you know, he covers evil with it, smashes the chair on it, smashes evil, strangles evil with audio cables. Suzuki was in control of this match with some big, big strikes. Evil's chops are failing. They, they're they hurting his hand because Suzuki's been working his arm. Suzuki is so quick, you know, so fast and destructive, hitting strikes and kicks and then leading into arm bars. Evil is completely overwhelmed by Suzuki's virulent and brutal offense. That's how I that's exactly how I call it. Virulent and brutal. Suzuki is the embodiment of danger. He's a, the spirit of destruction. He's a he a, he was on full force in this match here. There's a huge sequence with chairs uh, outside that ends with the Evil doing his uh, baseball Swing, swing, uh, chair spot, spot where he puts it. Looked kind of, it looked kind of soft though. I, I, I didn't care for it. They, they've done better. They have this ex. Oh, they have this extraordinarily exciting sequence of finisher reversals, right? But particularly exciting, where Suzuki reverses, uh, everything is evil into a rear choke and to the mat and eventually leads into Suzuki hitting the gotch special for the win. Look, I'm not, I'm not giving, I'm not rendering justice to this sequence. You should go take a look at it. It was great. Evil did everything he could to stay on top of things here and his strength helped him as much as he could. But murder grandpa was just too much on his game. Working the arm, making sure that the strong man couldn't be as strong. Suzuki was just too efficient in the execution of his plan of destruction. Hiroshi Tanahashi, again on, on night 11. So this was a great match as well. Uh, but Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Yoshihashi from 9-11 was not necessarily a great match. But it 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 actually started to pick up. So why am I talking about it? Well, it started to pick up in the final third, and Yoshihashi suddenly, you know, was starting to hit some massive offense and had some of that, you know, upset energy feel because the commentators were calling it. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We're saying, you know, if Yoshihashi beats Tanahashi here tonight, that's a major upset. <laughs> um, so, But he's actually pulling it off in the ring. Tanahashi is doing a great job selling for him and, you know, going for these razor-thin uh, two uh, kickouts. So will will Yoshihashi do it? Will he beat the ace of the universe? Spoiler alert, he won't. 
match the match ends be and this is the thing this is why it's a highlight for me the match ends when he tries to go for the butterfly lock for pete's sake and tanahashi reverses it into like a leg scissors press cradle thing and i hate the butterfly lock it looks stupid it doesn't look like it hurts anyone it's a dumb it's a dumb finishing move i don't like it so the fact that yoshihashi every time yoshihashi put, pulls it out i'm like oh my god my god so the fact that tanahashi just like reversed it and screwed yoshihashi over made me happy it made me happy i hate the butterfly lock you know during the match here yoshihashi hit um was it this match yeah uh, he hit a like a spinning a spinning slam brain buster kind of move I'm not quite sure exactly how, how you'd call it and it looked good it looked really good and and thinking about it afterwards it was like, like right now <laughs> I'm thinking that should be his like his secondary finisher because his his main finisher is karma but not he should keep doing that not the god damn butterfly lock let's move on to night 12 and guess what i'm putting in my highlights a tama tonga match his tom the match he had with tomohiro ishii from night 12 and look i'm putting it in here because it's really Tonga's best match so far in the G1. Ishii here put his full tough guy act on, being completely unimpressed by firing squad antics. And I like that. And I think it was refreshing for everyone to see someone who just was able to, to handle anything that the firing squad could throw at him. He, was fought, he fought off all three of them at some point. He took out Tongaloa. Uh, he pulled out of a grenade by by Fale, but uh, it ended when uh, it, it ended when uh, Tama hit the uh, gun stun, of course, for the win. I liked, I really liked uh, how uh, strong Ishii looked here, being able to fend off the the interference before succumbing to uh, to the finisher, still via shenanigans, but um, you know, again, and I've said this on the last match because I know that um, I, I know that in the um, and in previous uh, previous G1s you know I understand the, the the spectacle and the honor and the tradition of the G1 and how people don't necessarily like to have interference or DQs called during here because it kind of breaks with yeah, you know the tradition and the honor of of the of the event so i know a lot of people are pissed off at the uh, at the firing squad personally i don't mind it i don't mind all this interference as long as it promotes a story which it is as long as it promotes a story in ring here it does showing that ishii probably had the best chance of anyone in the g1 to 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 push away um to, to push away the uh the firing squad's shenanigans but he failed ultimately but still he looked like a tough guy 
The only thing that I think that they're failing in is making Tonga 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 Tama Tonga look strong as a leader. I think he looks like a like a goon. But if we have time, I'll talk about it a little later. I do want to get uh, through this here. We're, we're we're stretching we're stretching as far as time goes. No, oh, Courtney Summers, thank you very much for the donation. Suzuki Gunichiban, that is all. Karini Kazaninare. I don't even know if I pronounced it. <laughs> but yes, Suzuki Gun, right? Hmm. Juice Robinson uh, versus Sonata from Night 12 was another great match. Great match from both these guys. Uh, you know, Juice, I think at this point, he won this match. I think he's mounting his G1 comeback at this point. Um, too little, too late. But I think he's, you know, he's going to try and gain back some momentum, finish the tournament strong. While Sonata continues to, to to slip, but it doesn't, I don't think it hurts him ultimately because he, he's been putting on such fantastic, fantastic matches. What we got to see here are two wrestlers who are on the cusp of being top tier guys in New Japan. So they decided to put on a match that was a great showcase of what they both can do. It's nothing that'll absolutely blow your mind kind of thing but it's a fantastic match great back and forth you could uh you could feel that both guys here were working harder and harder to score the win on each other right like sonata tried the best tries the best that he can to get the skull end on juice while juice always has a counter and at some point juice even uses the skull end on sonata obviously gets out of it and he unwraps he unwraps again his soft cast from his hand, from his left hand, so it's legal to use. And Sonata, seeing this, starts starts scrambling to uh, to to put him away before he gets before he gets punched. He knows the power of Juice is left, but he can't quite do it. Juice hits Sonata with the left, finishes him off with pulp friction, and wins the match. So good for Juice. Probably be able to finish quite strong this G1. Again, on night 12, um, perhaps you've heard of these guys, uh, Kenny Omega, that ring a bell, versus uh, um, Zach Sabre Jr. I think that's how you pronounce it, because the R is before the E. I think it's because he's British. Of course, of course, I know who I'm talking about. If you haven't heard about this match yet, You've been not on the internet over the past 24 hours, and that's fine. Sometimes you do have to disconnect, take a time to breathe, and move away from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but never move completely away from Fightful.com and FightfulSelect.com. I can't stress enough uh, how Zach unique Zach Sabre Jr. is in the ring, and I am not – being very controversial or very um, uh, 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 unique by stating this, he is on, but I mean, we all agree he's remarkable. He's on his own planet when it comes to his performances and his ability to create drama in the ring. Omega as well. Omega is, is a fantastic in-ring storyteller as well, but in a, in a different way. These are two different guys with two different styles. In this match here, Junior, the story here is that Zack Sabre Jr. had Omega scouted 
it becomes apparent when Omega tries to do the rise of the Terminator, but Junior cuts him off and leg bars him. It's fantastic when uh, when Zack Sabre Jr. does his submission moves on, like, outside the ring. I think that's great. Because for, for a submission specialist, a guy who does grappling and catch wrestling, he's able to make it feel and look dramatic and exciting and violent. You know, when he starts pulling on moves and outside starts draping guys draping their arms through the the barricade it it, it looks rough it adds an a, a really severe severe edge to what he does Zack Sabre Jr worked on Omega's leg for the better part of this match but Omega didn't oversell the injury he didn't quite put it over as much either as others did in the tournament um you know, others who've been in the same predicament and, you know, who were really selling the body part that Sabre Jr. was working on. And I don't know if he was, and yet, couple that with the, with the fact that Omega is legit injured with a cracked heel. Thank you, Jordan, again. With a cracked heel and, um, and, and, and commentary is pushing this. I don't know if he was underselling, but my point here, I guess, is others, that's it, others in the tournament who were being worked on by Sabre Jr. sold his offense a little more intensely than the world champ did. And I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm not trying to be, I'm not, I'm not trying to go down this, oh, Mega doesn't sell thing, but. You know. Um, anyway, it's a fantastic match. I don't know. Um, it's an absolutely fantastic match. You should definitely go take a look at this, uh, especially the spot where Zack Sabre Jr. converts or reverses a V-trigger into a single-leg Boston Crab. I mean, seriously, who does that? Zack Sabre Jr. does, apparently. That was mind-boggling. Check out this match. It was a great match, of course. Uh, uh, Kenny Omega ended up winning with a with a surprise roll-up, which I thought was really interesting. That was cool. Go check out this match. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to zoom through a, uh, this one here. I, I also wrote down Hiro, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Evil from Night 13. Um, the, the story here was, but go take a look at it. Uh, Tanahashi was in peril for most of the match. And Evil uh, uses his big, burly, brute strength uh, to crush Tanahashi pretty much the whole way. He Early on, he hits a really brutal scent on, on Tanahashi, uses his power advantage to dominate ace it's um, um you know the the evil here was using everything he could to put the high flyer down you know it was basically big power guy against high flyer it's uh this it's a story as old as time but it really done really really excellently well it was super super good in both uh, in in both circumstances here uh, with both competitors here um and eventually tanahashi hits everything is evil on evil 
hits the high fly flow for the win. It was energetic, super good. Take a look at it. Last match I want to highlight here before we move on, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Minoru Suzuki from, uh, again, night 13 from today. Here, murder grandpa, <laughs> Minoru Suzuki, decided to go the exact same route he did two nights ago against Evil, where he would just power through he just uh, he just used everything in his arsenal to take the guy down, work one of his limbs, one of his arms, so that he wouldn't be able to hit the offense he needs to uh, to, to to get the, to to get the win, so that uh, Suzuki can win. And he goes right after Okada before the presentations, not even before the bell rings, before the presentations are done. He's like he's this is all Suzuki. Suzuki's in the zone. He even threatens Red Shoes at some point. Um, with a chair uh, and Red Shoes gets a chair of his own at some point just to try and defend himself. Uh, he wrecks Okada on the barricades in the audience using chairs and putting a hell of a beating on Okada throughout the entire match. And th- this entire story was dominated by how brutal Suzuki was on Okada, even choking him with the t-shirt at some point. It was, this was a brutal, brutal beating. Suzuki here, there, he's like, He's like a shark where he sees a you know wounded prey and he's just like going for him. Works Okada's arm. Okada is selling the arm the entire the uh, the entire match. Uh and you know, Okada is already, you know, iffy as far as his his own psychology goes. You know, he's not quite top rainmaker Okada. He's still weakened, he's still broken. Brokada. Um, so uh, Okada's in deep trouble basically for most of the match Okada tries to strike Suzuki uh, by putting a beating on uh, by putting a beating on him but he's, his arm has been weakened so substantially that he, he has no strength Suzuki is basically laughing He's and they trade forearms in the ring at some point like Okada tries to get these flashes of his older his older self, and Suzuki gives these these incredibly evil stares and smiles of, of vicious self satisfaction. He's like, "Yeah, you want you want to do this? Let's do this." And they 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 trade blows with each other, but Okada's weakened arm is having no effect on Okada, and he's laughing. Okada, Suzuki is laughing. Okada's wet. Weak arm is not having an effect on Suzuki. There we go. And Suzuki's laughing at him. And we see flashes of old Akata all throughout this. He's beat. It's almost as if he's testing himself at some point. But Suzuki is running through the exact same offensive pattern as he did two previous nights ago against Evil. But uh, but yeah, so it, it goes through and then eventually match ends with the Rainmaker. Look, I feel like this is like Okada wanting to test himself at this point. And Suzuki Suzuki wanted to just gave us a preview against Evil of what he could do and he said I'm going to do this to Okada as well because he's a chump now, not quite the chump that we ex- that we think he is. So Okada's redemption story moves on. So those were my highlights. Let's get into some uh, some some talking points a bit. I want to talk about the fact that we're in the final stretch here. I'm going to talk about potential results as we go into the finals. But before, 
I think we have to take a moment to appreciate Ishii as MVP of the tournament right now. He has delivered consistently good matches, good to great to even excellent matches with everyone he's been involved in. From Tamatanga to Goto, he has not had a single bad match or something that you're like, mm-hmm. His match with, with Tamatanga was going very well, and you felt that it was hitting a stride that if they had gone five more minutes, it probably would have got something really excellent out of the both of them. But you had to dial it back a bit. Uh, Ishii, for me, he's the he's the MVP of the tournament. He, he's been nothing but great. So we're we're in the final stretch right now, okay? I want to talk about the finals because the 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 uh, the leaderboards are becoming more and more and more and uh, more small. Uh, more uh, we're not dealing with as big a field of players now anymore. And Omega currently has the perfect record. Now the first question that we that comes to mind is, will anyone beat this perfect record? And who will beat it? Now, Omega's opponents. Let's. We're going to start about. We're going to start talking about Block B to begin with. Omega's opponents that are left. Remember, uh, Block B uh, is one night of action behind Block A. Block B has three matches left. Block A has two. Omega has Ishii, Yano, and Ibushi left in that order. His closest competition, which is Tetsuya Naito. Has uh, uh, for him is uh, his opposition leading into the uh, to the finals are Ibushi, Tamatanga, and Zack Saber Jr. Now a lot of people seem to think that Ibushi might be the guy to wreck the perfect score. At this point, I find that it's difficult to disagree with this statement. Um, it, considering their history it would make a great story just on that level it would be a fantastic story considering ibushi and omega's own personal journey it would be very very interesting to see this happen on this level with omega being champion leader of bullet club and keep in mind ibushi and omega is the main event of the final night before the finals so there might be something to that. So the idea then would be, if we're talking storylines, the idea here would be that uh, Ibushi would defeat Omega, break his winning streak, and then Omega would move on to the finals, win the finals, and would challenge Ibushi to Wrestle Kingdom as he would be, as he didn't defeat him. And technically, when you when when you defeat a champion in a non-title situation in new japan that opens you up to a uh to a title shot for that particular title um but i think it'd be more interesting in in that aspect you know when we're in 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 that situation where ibushi beats omega and then expects his title shot but omega doesn't give it to him I know people like the Golden Lovers together. They like Ibushi and Omega being, you know, uh, kissy love boys, brothers, 
friends, whatever, you, you know, whatever your sauce, whatever you prefer. But and you, you, in wrestling, you can't beat a good old-fashioned blood feud. You just can't. It's, it's always, always good. And this would be a built-in story right here. Omega says, no, I'm not giving you the shot. I'm giving it to someone else. Tomatonga. No, don't do that. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that, that's kind of the thinking right now, one way or another, one way or another, Omega is making it to the finals. I mean, there is no, right now, there is no possible outcome where Kenny Omega doesn't make the finals. Let's say, let's say Kenny loses his next match. And and then uh, and then wins his next match and loses his two others. Well, I mean that's the only thing that would happen. Actually, that's the only way he couldn't make it. That, uh, let me start over. That's the only way he couldn't make it to the finals. If he loses one match, if he wins one match and loses two others, and Naito wins his three remaining matches, would it be possible? Well, Omega is Ishii. Yano and Ibushi. Look, he's going to win against Yano. That's for sure. Ishii, I'm pretty sure. I think the only toss-up really here is Ibushi. That's the only real toss-up. As far as Naito's opponents go, Ibushi, he's, he has more of a toss-up kind of situation. Ibushi, he could pull a win off here. Tamatanga, he'll probably win by disqualification or some sort of nonsense. And Zack Sabre Jr., well, I personally feel he can, he can, uh, he can win there as well. So it's possible for him to win his three, those three consecutive matches. But I really don't see Kenny Omega losing two of those three matches he has left. Ishii, Yano, and Bushi. I don't see it. So, so if I were a major news outlet, let's say CNN, let's say, or 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 a major news network or a major network that has a, a, a reputable news source such as the cbc in canada the bbc in the uk the irish broadcasting system something i i would uh i would announce i would proclaim i would state i would uh, i would say that Kenny Omega is making it to the finals as far as block B goes. Now, the real interesting story where it gets really, really juicy, in my opinion, is when we start talking, thinking about block A, all right? Tanahashi has 12 points. There's two matches left in block A. He has 12 points, and he has, in my opinion, two contenders, Jay White and um and the other guy okada <laughs> and uh, they, uh, they who, who who have 10 points they're they're really really close to him now there's there's a couple of scenarios that you can think about here that make this really interesting all right first of all let's consider tenahashi's two last matches are against elgin and okada okada's last two matches are against evil and tanahashi right White's two final matches are against Makabe and Evil. Now, 
All signs point to Tanahashi versus Okada leading us, bringing us, everything leading to this match, this being the, 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 the resolution, the end of the cliffhanger. This, I, if White, if White loses both of his last matches, right, which could be, or you know, it, it's entirely possible. If White loses both of his final matches, that means that Tanahashi and Okada uh, go into their match with Tanahashi. I'm just taking White out of the equation here. Tanahashi and Okada at 14. And 12 points if they both win their matches uh, before their match before fighting each other. So if Okada wins against Tanahashi on the last night of the round robin, he will have 14 points, which will place him, which will tie him for first place with Tanahashi. And according to G1 rules, in the case of a tie, a tiebreaker, in the case of a tie, the result of the match between those two wrestlers involved in the tie is the tiebreaker. So if Okada beats Tanahashi on their match on the final night of block A, he moves on to the finals. He does. Tanahashi wins, well, then he moves on to the finals. He'll have the most points of, of the entire of the entire uh, block. I, I have a feeling that this might happen, that Tanahashi will win because Okada is still building himself back up. He's still Brokada and hasn't been paying attention really to what's been happening in his stable. In chaos, he hasn't been, he's been perhaps a little dismissive about, uh, about Jay White being a little, little jerk and challenging his authority. A very submersive, subversive mean or sub- submersive, you know, Jay White could be challenging his authority via submarine, <laughs> subversive means. I don't think he's paying attention to this because he's very much in his bubble right now. And I would see very, 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 very easily, I would see Jay White costing Okada the match against Tanahashi. I mean, after all, you know, the G1 this year has been about, uh, has been about DQs. There's been a lot of them, a lot of uh, shenanigans. Jay White's entire G, uh, G1 has been about doing sneaky things without being caught. Why not just put the cherry on top of this uh, Climax New Japan thing Sunday and, 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 and cost your leader the match? And that would then – and then Jay White could then say, look, this is – he can no longer be our leader. I'm I am chaos now, and then create a rift within chaos. Why not create a rift within chaos as well? It, they've been hinting at it the entire entire G1. Rocky Romero on commentary, you know, talking about Yoshiashi not being able to put Yoshiashi really over. You know, uh, Okada fighting Jay White, and you know, just being a bit dismissive of White. 
I think this would be really interesting as far as storylines go. And that's one scenario that I have that I think is plausible. Now, the other scenario, which is also very plausible, if Okada wins, if Okada wins uh, his both his matches, so he beats Tanahashi and he beats Evil, but White also beats Evil and uh, Makabe, Makabe. Tanahashi then doesn't get, only wins one match, so he gets 14 points. Okada gets 14 points, and Jay White gets 14 points. We get a three-way tie. I don't think there's precedent for that in New Japan. That would be really, really interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you know, you can't really do a, what is it you do then? You tally up results, number of matches won, or who they won, who was defeated. Like, I'm not sure exactly how this would happen. But it would make for an interesting finale for sure. Keep in mind here that as far as the two um, chaos members here that are that are involved that that have ten points, Okada and White, they're both facing evil on different nights. Okada on the first night and evil and Okada first and then White secondly. Evil may not be in contention to really make. Uh, might not be in contention anymore to win the G1 and, and, and go to the finals. Well, not win the G1, but win the tournament and move on to the finals. But he definitely has the interesting spot of being the spoiler, like being the potential spoiler for someone, either of these two guys, either for either Okada or White. So that'll be, that's an interesting, super fascinating uh, position to be in. Me, I think Tanahashi, is going to win because Jay White is going to screw over Okada in the finals. And we're going to have Kenny Omega versus Tanahashi for the finals, which at this point, I believe Okada is going to win. And it's going to be a bit of a passing of the torch thing, maybe. But I think Okada is going to win. What is he going to do? What would he do with his, who is he going to pick then as his opponent for Wrestle Kingdom? That, that, Folks, that will be a discussion for another time because we are out of time. Well, not out of time, but, you know, it's been going on quite long enough, kids. We need to wrap this one up. Um, I have uh, – those are my predictions. I had – you know, I'll skip my own predictions here. We had I had a bunch of predictions. But, you know, the most important prediction is who comes in at the finals. And I think it's going to be Tanahashi versus Omega at this point. It's what makes the most sense. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for hanging out, for watching this, for joining me in the live chat. I apologize if I wasn't able to uh, to read and 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 uh, and interact with those of you in the chat here today. But I hope you enjoyed this, and I hope it gives you a good idea as to what to expect if you were to join FightfulSelect.com for the low, low, low price of five dollars. Per month, a whole slew of beautiful perks, extraordinary content. You know, the cool thing about Fightful.com, let's be frank, there's nothing gated, right, on the site. All the news, all the content is right there. Nothing 
Nothing is, is removed from, all the essentials are there. You don't have to pay for those. But if you're, if you're a fan and you're hardcore, and you like to hear more wrestling talk by wonderful wrestling personalities, <laughs> like myself, like Sean, like everyone involved. And just join FightfulSelect.com. If you have a Patreon account, this all goes through Patreon. If you have a Patreon account, you're halfway there. What am I saying? You're 80% there. So ju- you just have to pick your tier, get your rewards, get some, some members-only uh, podcasts, weekender podcasts, uh, 205 Live NXT reviews, uh, monthly retro reviews, Q&A sessions, dark match commentaries, previews, news previews, exclusives. Everyone likes exclusives. Why aren't you getting your exclusives? Join FightfulSelect.com today, and I hope you enjoyed all of this. If, you, if you're not familiar with my work as well, shameless plug, follow me on YouTube. I do my own things as well as work with the incredible team at Fightful. TinyURL.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, and follow me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining me tonight, today, wherever you are, and I'll see you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.